0: The V-Auto Podcast's special series, Retail Revival. In the series, we'll be taking a closer look at the operational challenges, issues, and opportunities dealers across the country are facing with the COVID-19 crisis. In each series episode, V-Auto thought leaders and dealers will share their insights and perspectives to help you manage your business today and find your way to a brighter tomorrow. I'm your host, Lance Helgeson with v my guests today are Jim Farkas, General Manager of Jermaine Honda of Ann Arbor, Michigan, and Mike Boyd, Director of Business Enablement for V iRecon solution. Gentlemen, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you for having me. Like Glad to be a part of this.
0: Excellent. Well, ladies and gentlemen, our focus for today's conversation is on used vehicle reconditioning and how dealers have found time and opportunity in the pandemic to rethink how they recondition vehicles. And we can count Jim Farkas among many people in the car business who has been thinking long and hard about the way they're doing business, from engaging customers to reconsidering the steps required to get used vehicles frontline ready. Jim's efforts in terms of reconditioning predate the pandemic, but there were a few things, I think, during the pandemic that came to light for Jim. So Jim, maybe for the benefit of our listeners, let's just talk a little bit about how the pandemic affected your business and maybe the specific impact you saw related to used cars and reconditioning.
1: I appreciate this, and uh, I guess no one's immune to this situation. We reduced our staff by 80 percent for 45 days, and in doing so, I have filled in the role of a used car manager and dispatcher, and then also helped our service department. So with the reduction in staff, communication was uh, of the utmost. What we've recognized is as the departments have worked in the past, there was a lack of communication, uh, which would add to hours and sometimes days in between the process of servicing a car, detailing a car, uh, paint and dent work. Since the epidemic and now that managers had to take more control over the situation, we realized the lack of communication has created uh, far more problems that we anticipated. And uh, that's the area that we're focusing on now is how do we move this along in the process quicker, faster, and have very specific expectations throughout each one of the processes.
0: What's an example, you know, I guess in my mind is, well, someone's got to approve the RO, but it sounds to me like there's more than one spot where a lack of communication can be a problem. What came to light quickly for you that said, hey, we got to really deal with this? What's an example?
1: Well, one of the first ones is actually taking the car in on trade or purchasing it from a customer. How long did we have the keys before the keys actually made it to a person that either created a recon process or to the service department? That was never really tracked, and a lot of tools that are out there don't track the time in from the purchase or acquisition of the vehicle to that when it actually made it into the next department. And sometimes those units were sitting two to even three days.
0: There's now an accountability clock, it sounds like. You've, you, you've decided this is, we're gonna start tracking it from this moment.
1: As soon as a deal or a check, a deal is closed in Sierra or, or DMS, or a check is cut to an individual the clock has already started. We have 18 hours to have that vehicle physically available to the service department, and an hour old ridding with a technician assigned to it. Wow,
0: and is that 18 hour threshold there? Was that different pre-pandemic, or is that a goal you've maybe always had but just never got there?
1: This is actually uh, something we thought about. Never knew how to track it, and since the pandemic hit, we figured this is the time. As we're all trying to have as much you know money in the bank, liquidity, I guess you would say, the importance of getting a car in and out of service and sold is the utmost important. So, in managing your money and manage your inventory, uh, we decided to start tracking it internally and then started using some tools from our partners that would uh, better help do that.
0: How many cars on a weekly basis maybe then at your store are you moving through Recon? And I I wanna get back to how well you're performing against that 18 hour benchmark.
1: So approximately 40 units a week. And currently against the 18 hour benchmark from the time we take it in to the time that it's actually in a service advisor's hand with an hour on a technician assigned to it, it's taking six hours.
0: Oh wow, okay.
1: And the reason for that was just accountability. Sales staff has to turn in the keys to one specific individual that the clock has started right when, again, when the DMS deal has been closed and people know what's expected of them and how fast and how quickly to move forward. We also changed how we stock our inventory. We're doing a 30-day supply, which means the longer that a salesperson takes to get a car into the reach-on process, it takes longer for us to purchase another car to put on the lot. So they affect us and our stocking ability as well.
0: Uh Aha, so you're running a tighter ship in terms of inventory, so everything just has to be leaner and meaner, it sounds like. Correct. Now, I'm curious, the 18 hours, where did you come up with, I mean, it sounds like reality is two-thirds less than that, and I wonder if you're going to move the goalpost at some point, but how did you come up with 18 hours?
1: Well, my manager talked me into the idea that we have Saturdays, we have Sundays, when's the service department, uh, you know, really open and have availability. So we've also started to change how quick a car can get into the shop and what we're going to do with it as well and assign it to a technician. So 18 hours was a number I was uh, talked into by my staff. And as you can see, we're now tracking six hours, and that is including Saturdays and Sundays, which we are not open on Sundays. So more than 85% of my inventory takes under an hour. To get assigned the RO, is that right? To get assigned an RO and a technician, correct. So you will have some that you take in over the weekend if you're not open on Sundays that add to it. But now that we're tracking it and holding people accountable, so a couple of things that work into that process as well. So F understands that they have to have the inventory moved to be able to get more inventory so that helps the sales staff out. Once uh, RO is generated, the clock is started for my service department, I pay them at a full rate at this particular time or door rate, more than 24 hours into the service department as an average, I reduce that by 20%. If it takes over 48 hours, I reduce it by 50%. So my cars are not treated as secondhand cars to customer pay or warranty. It's put into the flow and we account for it appropriately.
0: Nice. Mike, I got a question. It seems like Jim's doing something there in terms of accountability, hitting them where it hurts, at least in terms of focusing on the money. How does that square with what you're seeing at other dealerships in terms of that sort of a penalty, really?
2: Yeah, personally, I love it. I mean, it really pushes the accountability and that feeling that we're all in it together. Because prior, you know, and not doing something that ties into pay plans or a, you know, risk reward type thing, where, People just take time. They don't see the reason or maybe they just don't understand why they have to do a certain job. This definitely puts the, hey, here's why it's going to affect you this way. It also feeds into the overwhelming goal of selling more cars. And I'm hearing that across the board with dealerships. Obviously, the most proactive dealers like Jim are leading that charge. They're really honing in on the internals. All of it is controllable. And they're saying, okay, you know, what is that job to be done? What is a timeline? You absolutely, you know, have to have buy-in from the people you work with or you manage. But at the same point, very quickly, Jim adjusted that. You know, he said, hey, you know, I was kind of talked into by my managers, but upon inspection, it's lower. So we changed it. You know, we moved that goalpost. I will tell you, while it sounds like a penalty
1: to the staff and, and possibly departments, yeah. a used car manager is not going to want to pay any more money or even pay door rate when it comes to uh, recounting a car. A service department does not want to push a used car normally as fast as a customer pay because they're not making the money. So the first thing it does for my used car manager, it gets a car out within 24 hours, which is what he wants. Now he pays a little bit more for it. But you know, the longer a car sits in the service department and doesn't have it available, it costs us money anyways, you know, our holding rate. For a service manager, now there's no complaints about pushing a car through that's not making them as much money. So it helps them and holds them accountable all at the same time. And if they do things appropriately, everybody actually makes more money. That's a really good
0: point, Jim. I guess maybe I overstated it as a penalty, but I follow you that it's really everybody has a chance to make the best of it if they choose to make the best of it. So I I like the way that balances itself out. I am curious, Jim, if, you know, I think you said 85% of the cars, you know, are done or they meet that first milestone within one hour. The keys, the RO gets assigned, and then there's the 24-hour turnaround if you want to get the full door rate. What percentage of cars are now moving through this process, getting completed within that 24-hour threshold?
1: I'm at 90% right now. The two cars and some exclusion we started to make if a car needs body work. Of course, we get the service work done as, as much as possible, but there are some exclusions, and I'm the one who approved the exclusions. So, you know, if there is a unique scenario, a recall that can't be completed, has to be sublet to another dealership, so there are the ones and twos. But I am still looking at the majority. We can deal with the ones and twos and those are the ones I want to focus on. You know, let's take a snapshot of what we normally carry in our inventory and how quick we can move it through. So yes, there are some exclusions that happens. It's approved by me. But other than that, everybody knows what's expected out of it and they do a phenomenal job of getting it done. So hopefully at the end of this month, can't wait to take a snapshot of what May looks like. But you know, I would expect to be in the low nineties as far as everything being accomplished at the right time frame that we expected. So I will add one caveat to it, to getting it through the shop quicker is to preload your shop for the next morning. So you do have technicians. And I think sometimes people would be surprised, but our store opens at 730 in the morning. I have technicians that still arrive at 630 in the morning. I would rather have a car on their hoist ready to go, and sometimes that's difficult to do with customer pay or warranty. So I have a key or a head service advisor that uh, has a little bonus for him at the end of the month in regards to how efficient we can be in used cars, and he is to preload the shop with used cars the night that he heads home so the techs are ready when they first come into work for the people that want to get here a little bit early.
0: Is that a bonus then?
1: It's not a bonus for anybody else other than you have a car on your hoist for a technician. Or if it is an hourly person that's getting it done, they don't have to go search for a car, spend 45 minutes getting ready. They can come in and actually get to work. There is a bonus for the head service advisor of our used cars to make sure that happens. So it's worked out well. They preload the shop. And, you know, when most of our cars that come through is just a normal recount on it, I'm not waiting until the end of the day and trying to ask someone to stay late through this. Instead, they get here in the morning and there's work. And if you're not showing up early enough, someone else has got to work. There's hours that up.
0: I'm curious, it sounds to me like well, we are at a place where the vast majority of your cars are getting through the shop in 24 hours. How long did that take before?
1: Well, it depends on the tracking tool that you ask. If we were to use our system, which is V-Auto, and there was a tracking tool in there, sometimes it was over three days. Uh, we use another tool, iRecon, and we've had it up as high as two days. The tool is very important as far as tracking and holding people responsible, but it's really about setting expectations. And instead of telling a person just to figure it out, I pulled all my managers in and we sit down on a weekly meeting to talk about our recount process, who's doing well, who's not doing well, and where do we have opportunities to improve. And it really comes down to uh, communication. If you're not communicating amongst all the departments, things just don't go as fast as they should. So our
0: listeners have a sense. It sounds to me like the technicians, you don't have like a separate recon facility or even separate recon teams. The folks who work on these cars are the same folks that are handling the customer pay work. Is that correct?
1: That is correct. I managed one other dealership where we had one individual doing that and we could only go at that person's pace. Now, while that person was phenomenal, you take in 15 or 20 cars, you're going to get behind. So We decided to use our entire shop to recon cars versus one specific individual or two individuals. So when I was doing the one individual, we were selling 125 units a month. The gentleman was a really busy person. But now that I have availability to use the entire shop, I don't have to change my expectations based upon how many units we take in.
0: I'm curious, Mike, from your work, you know, at across a broader swath of the country, you know, as dealers think about how they do reconditioning, are we seeing any trends toward what Jim described, where it's sort of all hands can handle it, or is there more of a specialization movement underway? I'm curious what you're seeing.
2: I'm actually seeing it open up more to the entire shop. There's a lot of time and money lost by just having one or a couple people handle the reconditioning piece for the used car department whereas you can really maximize your potential in the service department we're talking about service department at this moment by being able to open it up to all the different technicians and whenever there is a person available a technician you put them on that car at the right time so yes definitely seeing that now there are some cases of course where you have depending on the size of the store they have a dedicated team just to use cars but at the same point, they're also hyper-focusing on the availability of those team members. Is it the right amount? Are they self-limiting? So across the board, everybody's just looking at what are our people doing? And just like Jim was talking about, what is that job to be done? And what is the real timeline? You know, what is our goal? And then how do we get there? So like when Jim mentioned the meetings, you know, having regular meetings with the people who are performing the job, understanding what that job to be done and then holding them accountable to get it done.
0: Jim, let me go back to something you mentioned where the vast majority of cars are getting out of the shop in 24 hours. I'm curious, after that, are they getting detailed and then retail ready point, you know, and how many days you guys allot for that?
1: So I know each dealership is going to be unique. Uh, My detail shop is six miles away from my service center. And then it has to come back to the service center area to be sold. I've had to incorporate texting and having porters drive vehicles back and forth. Now, something that I did incorporate this is either my salespeople, when we appraise the car, take decent enough pictures to be able to start using those photos to actually advertise the vehicle or my porter, if we purchase the vehicle outright or for an auction, actually takes the vehicle over to the next detail shop, takes pictures of it to have those up and ready. But the tool that we use again, not that I want to go crazy with this, but iRecon really does simplify the expectations and communication skills. And texting to us has been the key thing to keep the ball rolling when we're trying to get a car through the shop as fast as we can. So currently it's 24 hours in the shop. And right now it's about a day and a half in detail. And the day and a half works out to being almost three quarters of that day is transportation. Just having a person available to move the cars back and forth.
0: You're basically getting your stuff up and fully loaded retail-wise, merchandising-wise, in less than three days. Is that fair?
1: Correct. And we have just brought in, since, since dealing with the, the COVID crisis, we've always wanted to do paint and dent work in of, we've actually had staff trained for it. We just never uh, pulled the trigger, but trying to rely on vendors and outside services to come to the dealership on our schedule and not their schedule has been very difficult. So we move forward with doing paint and depth work in-house, and that is part of my whole detail process as well. So I have all of that completed before the car goes back to the original lot.
0: Have you started to do the math here, Jim, in terms of like, let's say before, so now everything's pretty much online in the time it used to take just to get through the shop. So you've probably shaved two days total, maybe three off your process. What does that mean in terms of money? Have you quantified that?
1: I kind of calculated daily holding costs, but of course, a lot of this is going to be really what it comes down to is how large of an operation you run. I've reduced my staff. I, there's two people I'm not bringing back at $40,000 a year because there's not a need for them because we got more efficient. So a net just employment is $80,000. My staff is actually going to make a little bit more money, but they're going to be more productive in doing so. I've moved my turn from 13 times in a year to 17 times just this month now. We're looking at a 30-day snapshot. It's not something that I've gone through the summertime with yet, but as far as a daily holding cost, it should save me $275 per unit that either, A, I'm making gross or wholesale because I'm moving a car quicker.
0: This has been a valuable conversation, Jim and Mike. I appreciate you guys joining me. What would you say, Jim? I mean, you're in this. You're tweaking it. It's working. What's next? What are you going to be adjusting in the weeks ahead here?
1: You know, as we go faster and quicker, you have to work out any bumps. And really, having a line of communication with your managers is of the utmost importance with clear expectations. Second is going to be a tracking tool. If you are not tracking what you're doing, you cannot hold people accountable. When we first estimated the first 18 hours to get a car into the shop with a uh, service advisor and a technician assigned to it, that was all because that's what we assumed. We didn't track it. We had no idea. So if you're not tracking it and have a a tool that is going to give you accurate numbers, it's going to be very difficult. But the two things to me is have a solid tool and make sure you keep the lines of communication open on a weekly basis. And sometimes depending on the size of your operation, it could even be daily
0: you reminded me of something i probably should have asked a minute ago jim you've made the point here in our conversation about making sure communication happens but i wondered if you've also designed a couple things where communication doesn't have to happen such as maybe there's an ro amount as long as it doesn't go over that number you're good nobody needs to talk to anybody to get the work done anything like that that's part of your mix
1: here So my service managers are able to take a look in our system, which we use as D-Auto, and my appraisers, when they're appraising the car, as long as they denote the work and the dollar amount that needs to get done, it's automatically approved to get done.
0: How unusual is that, Mike, where Jim's putting a lot of trust in his people, it sounds like?
2: So traditionally, no, you don't see that where most dealers, you know, they want that Touch point. Really, it's just because they don't have clear lines of communication and they don't have exactly what you know Jim is talking about. But I'm seeing dealers move the opposite direction, which is what Jim is doing, and saying, hey, you know, let's really make sure that we're appraising correctly. Because if you're appraising correctly, that appraisal information is essentially a reconditioning plan. So if your appraiser purchased that car either at auction or the same thing, took it in trade from newer used cars. Their estimate should be pretty on if they're in touch and have a clear line of communication with those different departments. So being able to go back, say, hey, here's what I'm expecting to spend. If there's an anomaly or one offs absolutely contact me. But, you know, I can't buy more time. So this is what I was expecting. And If you're in that threshold, just get it done. Let's keep it moving. Let's get that car frontline ready faster. And let's just move through some units.
1: I will tell you, and I, I'm living the benefit of that now. My service department was not open on Memorial Day, just our sales department. And our one service advisor just sent me a text on seven vehicles that were set up for them, getting ready to go for today, that are in the shop getting worked on. And not one manager, used car manager, nor myself, had to approve the work because it all fell within the guidelines of retail. And it's right. giving them the authorization, so they
2: don't have to wait for someone possibly take a car off a hoist to slow the operation down. Can I add one thing to that real quick? So if you look traditionally at the car market and how the sales, the front end operates and interacts with, like say, service, it has not been the best because there's no clear lines of communication. Service obviously wants to make as much as they can. They're in business, make as much as they can. Sales would always think, hey, if I can not spend money, I'm making more money. This changes that. That really puts everybody on the same playing field. We are part of a team we want our cars right we want them tight but we want them done expediently so we're a customer let's work together so that's putting everybody together in the right frame of mind some of this
1: came out due to necessity because as we sit down and i put restrictions on reimbursement for the service department they explained what takes so long to get it through the shop you know they have to wait 30 minutes or a day or a half a day because someone's at the mm-hmm. auction they can't get approval so it's not their fault that it's taking so long to get through the service department. So we just started to say, all right, what's the problem? What's the fix? And try it out to see if Let's it's work together. Uh, I've been in the business uh, 31 years now, and every day you take a look at something as far as an opportunity to make it better. I know it's easy to operate the way you always have done it, but with today's profit margins, you know, shrinking and the availability of inventory out there, if you are running with a minimum amount of what you'd like to carry, you got to make sure you're getting things through the shop in detail as quick as possible. And you have to think outside of the box to do it. So this was more driven out of necessity than anything else.
0: Well, however it happened, Jim, Godspeed to you and job well done. I appreciate you sharing your perspective on the podcast today. And Mike, thank you for joining us too.
2: Thank you very much. and Thank you very much.
0: And folks, thank you for joining this edition of the V-Auto podcast. I'm Lance Helgeson. Until next time, stay well.